Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Spence, Spencer Eagle. Coach, welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Hey, appreciate you having me, Zach. Man, uh, so I think I'm going to – Kyle McElvaney is because has become my podcast setup guy. He's like Jamie, yeah. uh, Joe Rogan. Um, but, man, <laughs> it's great to – we've texted and things of that nature, but I would love for you to give – uh, just to list there some background, and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I got my coaching start. In, God, was it 2015 at Dundee High School? That's uh, right when Kyle McElvenny took over as head coach. And you know, I uh, it all started out on a whim. He uh, was looking for assistance, and I, I reached out. And you know, give a little bit of my background with Kyle is he's family. He's uh, one of my older cousins, and. He was looking for loyal, dependable people to help him rebuild that program. And we spent five good years there. Um, you know, started out as just a fullbacks coach. And as things continue to trickle down and things continue to open up, I continue to take on some more responsibility and added the entire running backs to my repertoire. Uh, added defensive end outside linebackers, as well as was the special teams coordinator for the entire high school program. Uh, was there for six years, and then the COVID year hit, and I had started in the season there. And then in Michigan, we got about four days into camp, and I want to say it was, I forget the COVID year, 2020, 2020. and uh, we had to can we canceled the season for a few weeks and. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, I had to step away for that season. Uh, was out of that for about a year. And then opportunity arose when Kyle McElvenny was at uh, was an assistant at St. Mary's Catholic Central. Last year, I kind of helped out on Friday nights as his, uh, his game day operations guy. Hmm. Uh, helped with huddle sideline, helped with communications, filming, so on and so forth. And then... Uh, this past year, we had a uh, coaching change at my all Bader, which is Monroe High School, which is the, the Division One high school across town, opposed to St. Mary's Catholic Central. And uh, some spots opened up on the coaching staff, and I had reached out. Um, and now this is my first year back there, and I'm excited to get rolling. I'm going to be on the freshman staff, and it's just nice to be back in the full swing of it. That's awesome. What was your connection to Monroe? Was there a coach there that got you connected there? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, Jack Giarmo, who's one of the assistants there, uh, was actually the head coach when Kyle at St. Mary's Catholic Central when Kyle McElvenny played there. Um, a longtime team coach. Uh, he helped me get in the door as well as Kyle put in a good word with uh, the new head coach there. His, Dave's, his name's Dave Misfed. Um, as well as there's a few assistants on that staff that were there when I played. And a few there are a few assistants that are there now that I played with. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a nice mix of things of coaches I played with, guys I played with. Um, just nice to be back. It's nice to be back home. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Is is Coach Giarmo the office coordinator there now is what I was told? Is that right or am I, am he, I mistaken there? Uh, he's the offensive line coach and assistant head coach. Okay. Um, the offensive coordinator duties are um, handled by another one of the assistants, but Jack has a heavy input on what's going on there. Sure. So what you're saying is y'all going to run a heavy dose of some power T is what you're 
what you're saying surprisingly no it's gonna okay a, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a spread concept with some wingy blocking principles okay man i did that back in 2019 uh jet counter belly that was kind of our our base thing uh, okay yeah it fit what we had uh that's actually on YouTube. There's like a, I could, it was it Coach Banstra, I think, when he, when COVID first started, kind of started his YouTube channel. Uh, and we had done some good things with that. But man, that's cool, man. So we just got Huddle Sideline. And I've seen, I'm looking at your resume. It's pulled up on my screen. Give me some some wisdom about that. Because we, we used it years ago. I say years ago, 2017. And I'm not. I'm not up to, to speed on that. We just got our, our stuff a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's amazing. From the huddle sideline, we used at Dundee was to what huddle sideline is now. It's, it's amazing how far it's come. Mm-hmm. I can remember the years at Dundee, we had three iPads, one on the field, one in the box, and another guy, another iPad where we had a guy filming with it. Mm-hmm. And he'd take, you know, film each individual play and it would transmit to both iPads and now it's it's linked right to the camera. The same camera you film your game with, it pops right onto that sideline, and it's, hmm. it's a lot more convenient. Uh, the one I dealt with at St. Mary's, as opposed to what we used at Dundee for five years, and I don't know if that's the different levels or if that's just the evolution of what huddle sidelines come by, but it makes in-game and halftime adjustments so much easier to make. It's hmm. You, when especially when you have the kids, you know, at Dundee, we were kind of not hand strapped with guys, but you know, we had some, a good year 25 kids at the varsity level, mm-hmm. and a lot of kids playing both ways. So you were able to maybe pull a kid aside and you could pull those plays up. And you know, it's sometimes easier to put a video image with what the kid's saying as opposed to just going off muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And that's what's always been really awesome with Huddle Sideline, it gives you that ability to make those adjustments where you know kid might say well is he guys lining up on the inside was well, he inside shade or is he truly in the gap and mm-hmm. it truly gives you that ability especially in the t where when we were running the t really that gap in that shade makes an entirely difference on whether you're going to call that trap or that wide trap play there mm-hmm. and it, it's made it it's awesome for us it makes play calling 10 times easier mm-hmm. Yeah, when we used it in 16 and 17, it was good, but I'm looking at these two boxes they sit, and I'm going, oh, wow, this is much different. Uh, like you were saying, they have upped the game, uh, so to speak. And, like, when you're like when you're setting it up and you're doing it, how much time does that take? So I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I – like, how much time do I give the person to set up and uh, how much time do they need? Once you get the hang of it, so once you get your camera set up and you get the cordage and all that, you can get it set up 15, 20 minutes. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, you, you could set you, – you dedicate one assistant to it pregame. Well, you could have it set up and your headset set up and everything within a half hour, you know, once you get the slew of it. Um, hmm. It's – whereas where we used to set it up, and that's really the evolution of Puddle Sideline, and sometimes – depending on your connectivity, 45 minutes. Now it's less than 20. Hmm. That's awesome, man. So you were talking about coaching fullbacks at, at Dundee. 
that's like the the pinnacle of as far as the backfield and the T offense. Talk about that. Like talk talk about how do you start that teaching? How do you start that progression? And what are some some tips for that? So the fullback, that's that's gonna be your best back. That's gonna be your workhorse. That's the guy that even if you only call 20, 20 run plays for him a game. Uh, the T's all predicated on fakes. You know, one good fake is worth two tackles in this offense. Mm. Um, so, you know, you you fake trap and, you know, you run your power game and you run your, your boot, your keep. That fullback gets tackled. He's going to get hit. Mm. 40, if he's doing his job right 40, 50 times a game, he's just got to be – he's got to be that workhorse. He's got to be that guy that can get you 30, 35 carries a game for – you know, sometimes 100, 200 yards. But if he's doing his job right, he's getting tackled every single play. And it's just – it's got to be your toughest, in my opinion, most skilled back, you know. Him and the quarterback, 1A, 1B. Uh, but mm. our best years at Dundee, I just – we had a kid that you could just put the offense on his back and go. It's mm. get, give you 35 – give me 30, 35 carries and – go to work but another thing in the t is you know if they they key that fullback mm-hmm. your other backs got to be able to go it's a very selfless offense it's mm-hmm. it's truly you know one one week fullback could carry it on trap and belly and then we put some toss stuff in some old willing t concept toss stuff where you know student body right student body left mm-hmm. um and he's just got to be that workhorse for you. He's got to be tough. He's got to be not necessarily your fastest back, but hmm. laterally quick. He's got to be quick, not necessarily fast, but quick. Hmm. And the way I've always worked with my backs, and it's something I picked up from a lot of good T coaches that I've learned through Kyle from is I've put everything on a stopwatch. My back, hmm. all my backs are on a stopwatch. Hmm. That trap's got to hit in under a second. Point nine eight's the key the key in any trap good trap play and hmm. you know if that fullback can hit that point nine eight it's gone to the races he's gone so that's interesting because i've heard that number from a couple of different people where does that come from is it like is that over the years people have run it and hey that's where what you're trying to get to that's that's what i've picked up on the training from uh you know it was nice as i when Kyle took over at Dundee, you know, Jack Jarmo had a lot of help. He helped us out a little bit there. Hmm. Uh, I think he had been, re- that was the year he was retired in between his St. Mary's and Carlson years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, you rep that and point. It's, I don't know exactly where the number came from, but that was ingrained into my mind since day one. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I was I was wondering about so what do you it's like the fullbacks don't take those many blows during a game and then during a season so what is like the practice like a, a weekly practice look like for your backfield if they're going to get tackled a bunch during a game um, we a lot of times at Dundee we were a lot of shells and mm-hmm. uh, just wrap we didn't do a lot of full contact we didn't do a lot of um, mm-hmm. go to we didn't go a lot of you know full speed full contact. One, we just didn't have the kids. And two is when you have 20 kids, you, you kind of got your scout team there. And um, so we did a lot of just touch and contact. And it's a lot of cold tubs. Best thing for a back after 
they're running five, 10 miles of practice and it's, it can be, it can be straining and you want to have more than one fullback in your offense, whether it be your left or right halfback that can convert over to fullback or you want to essentially every back to be able to play that fullback position. But mm. that one workhorse, I've had some tough kids. I had a, a first year at Dundee. I had one that played on a broken foot. His name was Tyler Anson. He ran a, he played an entire game on a broken foot. And I was one of the toughest kids I've ever had I've come across. And he, I think you, I want to say he ran 20 plus carries for about 200 yards that game. Gee whiz, man. That's, that's a, that's a throwback player right there, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Gee whiz. Uh, so yeah, I was also, re- I have your resume. I think I said this already. Your resume is pulled up over here and your resume is beautiful, by the way. I think Thank you. it should be like a template. So that, there's another question. How did you design the template of your resume and how did that come about? It's funny. I actually, uh, Kyle's the one that did my resume for me. He, uh, <laughs> he's the one that set the template up for me. He got the, um, I, I owe my entire coaching career to him. He's, he's, mm. he's been a true mentor and a friend to me for the seven plus years I've been doing this. I owe a lot of where I'm at because of him. Mm. Yeah, that's me. It's like mine's on Google, Google docs. So, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I want to share it with somebody or, uh, Hey, what, what does your resume look like? Cause I get inevitably from doing this podcast, people ask me, what does your resume look like? Well, here, here's a link. You can look at it. Uh, but I'm thinking about redesigning to look like this because this is very colorful and it's organized. And uh, like if you gave this to a coach you were going to interview, I would say, hey, this guy has it has it going on. Have people commented to you about that when you when you give this to people? Absolutely. They, they love the structure of it. Like as you were saying, it's a beautiful structure and it kind of breaks down mm-hmm. more more. It's. Yeah, it gives what I've coached, but it kind of really my day-to-day duties. And uh, it's it's well outlined, well placed. It's it's very eye-catching and it's very friendly to the eye. It 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 goes along really smoothly, and that's mm. it gets right to the point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed from talking to a decent amount of coaches in in Michigan uh, that on most people's resumes or people and stuff they've done, they, they mentioned the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association. Does that have a really strong presence in the state? Because in our state, our Coaches Association does not. Uh, but I've noticed that on people's stuff. A lot of rich tradition, especially in Southeast Michigan, which is where mineral state, it's kind of a, if you were to draw a line between Toledo and Detroit, Toledo, Ohio, and Detroit, Michigan, we're about halfway in between. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of rich historic football in uh, Southeast Michigan and uh, a lot of coaches that have been there a long time, um, a lot of good mentors, but yeah, it, it holds a strong place in that area. It's almost like a fraternity. Some people would refer it to. Hmm. Okay. Cause some, some States from what I've gathered have a real strong, Coaches Association, uh, Michigan, Ohio's is really strong. Georgia's is pretty strong. Florida, there's uh, not not much of one. West Virginia, no. Uh, that's interesting. So do they give you resources and things, or, or do they can help connect you with people? Kind of how, how do they help you as a coach? 
Um, well, there's a lot of online material, a lot of free clinics. If you go through their website, um, and I don't have the website up top of my head, I believe it's, you know, the mhsafca.org or .com, or I'd have to get the website for you, but a lot of online material, a lot of free clinics. Um, hmm. It's they really make coaching not easy, but it gives you a ton of tools to be good at your job. It makes makes tools and success fairly easy. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. I was reading again. You said that it says that you were helping with like scouting, with breaking down huddle scouting reports. What do you look for? Like, what are the a couple the couple things in the scouting report that you've learned to look for? Because, man, especially now with Huddle, you can get so much data, and it can be overwhelming. I know for me, it's a coach like, oh my gosh, there's just so much. Like, what are you looking for when when you're doing that? So when I was doing my scouting reports for Dundee, um, you know, I did all the specials. I did all the special teams. Uh, I go back to my. I, I go back to the stopwatch things, you know, everything on special teams you can put on a stopwatch, whether it be, you know, on extra point, how long did it take for the snap to get to the hole to the kick? And then that really gives you the ability to time up those guys off the edge or punt, you know, how much, what's the punter at yard wise, you know, to how long is it taking the snaps to the hang time, you know, gives you those angles and big, it really makes the analytics of the game more important, especially with the data input you can do on huddle nowadays. Mm. Um, and then you can crunch those numbers and charts and everything. It really makes that doing the scouting report super, super easy. It mm. makes, makes that coaching aspect of it so much more enjoyable. I've always been a numbers guy. You mm. know, they, that numbers don't lie is, is a true aspect. You know, that punter's taken so much time to get that punt off nine out of 10 times that really gives you that ability to set up a pump block scheme or, you know, really, well, how long is it taking to get that snap on extra point really gives you, well, is this, is this something we can game plan for and steal a point? You know, it's all about stealing points and stealing possessions and stealing yards. And Hmm. um, if you can make that difference on special teams, sometimes that'll make or break a game and a season. Hmm. Yeah. I, in my as an assistant coach, I coached at places where, to be candid, we just have better players than other people at most places. And so, my development as a head coach was, I believe, kind of stunted because we never took chances on special teams. We had better people. So, you have better people. There's no reason to, you know what I mean. Make sure you just exactly you field, you field the ball. You have possession. We just need to get our offense on the field, right? Or make sure they don't break a touchdown because our defense is going to stop them. But when the game's – the talent is even or maybe you're less, special teams is the is the deal. And I'm slowly learning this. Um, kind of what's been the philosophy of yourself and your head coaches with special teams? Are you real aggressive, more conservative? What's your – what's been the, the flavor there? Depending on the feel of the game, it's all about that feel of the game. Sometimes you're, if, and personnel, huge, personnel is huge. If if you, if you're going up against the team that's got a really good fast kid back there in return, sometimes you just squib it and give them the ball. You'd rather take your chances of just squibbing them the ball and them getting the ball in the 30, 35 yard line and, Mm. you know, let your defense do its work instead of, 
you give, especially in high school football, you give that one fast kid an open space and he, he'll, he'll make a lot of them guys look, look, just look silly. And, yeah. you know, depending on how your personnel lines up each week and, you know, will depend on how your kickoff is planned. And, you know, you can, we did this one year, two years at Dundee is we kind of put that field into a quadrant of nine spots and we would pick a, mm. you know, three, three, and three, and we'd pick a spot and kick it to it based off their weakness and maybe try to go get the ball. Or mm. if we put the ball there, it's just, it's putting your defense in a position to succeed on kickoff, especially it's, mm. you know, you'd much rather, I'd much rather give them the ball at the 40 than let that kid, take it for 40 or 50 and it's just about setting yourself up for success and sometimes taking taking a risk does that for you mm. uh, and then sometimes it, as many risks as you take they don't always work out and we've we've had our fair share of uh mishaps on special units is you go to kick it you go to squib it and sometimes it goes out of bounds and sometimes they pick it up on the first bounce and run with it it's mm. Um, and if you do decide to kick it deep, you know, it's, it's leveraging. It's all about leveraging is very rarely have we ever kicked it to the middle of the field. It's if you, you know, kick it to a sideline and try to leverage and pin that kid in, give them less directions to go. Mm. Yeah. I worked with a guy a couple of years ago that <clears throat> he was in charge of our kickoff and he, I was the defensive coordinator at the place and <clears throat> I love him. He's a, Great dude, but he always used to want to kick it down the middle, and I would just go, "Oh no, stop! Like, don't, don't do that." And inevitably, somebody took one for a touchdown, and it was, "Please kick it right or left or whatever, or something." Uh, I was also looking at your, your resume. It talks about you coach outside linebackers. What, what are you looking for there? And then, how are you drilling so, that and doing that? Yeah. So at Dundee, we ran a, a fifty concept for the most part. It was a. a multiple variations in the 50. So whether you want to call them outside linebackers or defensive ends, it's mm. it, you know, I've had defensive ends where you'll work with the the weak side defensive end is going to be really kind of a hybrid linebacker type that's got to be able to get into the flats and he's got to be able to play that, you know, play that backside protection and be able to move in space. And then that strong side defensive end's got to be the guy that's got to be able to man up that tight end and and really just make that tight end or that that back just make his life very, very difficult. And, you know, we went to a wrong arm technique our last few years there, and we were spilling everything, mm. spill everything to our athletes, have everybody come downhill and spill it and keep bouncing them to the sideline. Um, that's kind of how we used our philosophy towards the end there was spill it, spill it, spill it. So you had to have a guy that could, protect the inside and be able to get out there, leverage that back and help mm. those corners and those safeties and those backers from coming down. Mm. And then I was really lucky in my last year uh, to have a weak side defensive end. His name was Ty Schroeder. Um, probably the best at one of the best athletes I had the pleasure of ever coaching who could just do it all. He could, he could play strong and weak side defensive end and he, really had that ability to man up a tight end and get to the flats. He was a, you know, like a four, six kid and at Dundee, a four, six, four, six kids, pretty special. Mm. Yeah. At Buckhannon Upshur, a four, six kids, really special too. <laughs> yeah. You can, yeah. you can run like that. My goodness. Uh, 
So coach, as we, we wrap up the, the podcast this morning, I would love just some wisdom about how to, and how to continue just to grow as a coach. Cause when I'm looking at, I'm talking to you and looking at your resume, you continually grow. Like, what is your, like, why do you do that? Why are you like, what motivates you to continue to get better? Cause we all know people that they're just, they just want to be how they are and they don't want to grow. So what, what motivates you to continue to do that? I'm a, I'm a football junkie at heart. Mm -hmm. I, I love film. I love, you know, some of my best experiences came playing football in high school and is being able to give that same experience back to kids has always been my most, you know, crucial aspect. And, you know, I've always learned once you take on a responsibility, get really good at it. And when you get really good at it, keep adding to your plate. And at the end of the day, a really good assistance job is to make that head coach's job's life easier. Whether it be setting up headsets and, you know, setting up the huddle sideline and filming to, you know, being in the box and being those eyes from the eyes from the sky mm -hmm. um, to helping with youth, youth program developments, helping with camps, helping with weightlifting. It's at the end of the day, a good assistant makes a head coach's job so much easier. And that's something I've always taken a lot of pride in is, is you know, at the end of the day, we all have that common goal and purpose is to, you know, to, to go out and win a football game. And it's also to make those kids' lives experiences worth remembering. And the more I can do for them is the more they can do for me. It's, it's truly enjoyable. And I, I love what I do. And, you know, I've never truly had aspirations to do anything more than be an assistant. I truly love being an assistant. The day-to-day -day, day -day grind is what makes it worth it to me whatever I can do to make a head coach's job easier. That's what I'm here for. Mm. Man, coach, that's awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to join us. And man, I really, really appreciate it. No I appreciate you having me.